You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org. How does the Lord use spiritual storms? Spiritual storms come to us all, whether they are Jonah's storm or Paul's storm, or a storm with Christ asleep in the boat, the Lord uses storms to build our character. In this episode, Lance teaches about several storms used in the Bible as an illustration of spiritual principles. Let's listen. Shall we just bow our heads in prayer (coughs) once again? Dear Lord, as we come to thy word this morning, we pray that the Spirit of Truth himself shall lead us into all truth. Thou knowest our need, Lord. Thou knowest the need of every life in this place. Uh, Thou knowest alone the kind of word that will meet that need. Dear Lord, we pray that thou wilt take the little time that we have this morning left, and thou wilt, Lord, make it a time of revelation. By thy Spirit, Lord, may it not just be human words, humanly spoken, but behind the human voice, we pray, Lord, that we may hear thy voice and may receive from thee. We thank thee, Lord, thou hast given an anointing not only for speaking but for hearing. And together now we stand into that, that we may know a divine enabling in this time for both speaker and hearer. And we give thee thanks for all thy grace and love and commit to thee those amongst us who are not well, that thou wilt lift them up and restore them and recover them according to thy promise. For we ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. There is a little phrase in the 148th Psalm and the 8th verse. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Stormy wind fulfilling his word. I've been thinking about the way the Lord uses storms. You may think that's a rather gloomy um, sort of theme or prospect, but it is quite amazing the way the Lord uses storms. Now, I'm not just talking about physical storms. I have no doubt the Lord does use physical storms too. I remember uh, some uh, year or so ago uh, speaking to a number of pastors of whom I must say not many of them gave me the impression that they were very alive in the spirit. But there were one or two glorious exceptions And they did not have to come and tell one that they were those who were walking with the Lord. It was visible in their countenance. And there was one particular pastor who came and spoke with me and I said to him, I don't have to ask whether you know the Lord in a deep way. No, he said, but I didn't. I was like the rest until a year ago when perhaps you will remember some of the tornadoes that swept through Kentucky and I was in my vestry when the whole church building was lifted by the tornado 
and he said, I dived under my enormous desk, and when the whole lot came back, I was saved. And he said, that did something for me. <laughs> he came into a new experience of the Lord and has been used, I believe, of the Lord to bring many others to himself. I have no doubt the Lord uses physical storms, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I am talking about those storms, those storms spiritually that come to us all one way or another. They may be our physical circumstances, they may be our physical conditions and situ situations, but behind them there are spiritual um, uh, values. And I began to think in the Word of God of a number of storms. And uh, storms that were an illustration of a principle. And the first one that came immediately to my mind was the storm that Jonah found himself in. Now I found that it says quite clearly in the book of Jonah, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea. And in my margin, it says, hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Well, you know the story. In the end, the result of that was that Jonah was thrown overboard. And then there was a great fish that God had also prepared, which swallowed Jonah. Now, I believe that here we find our first great lesson about storms fulfilling his word. Once you are a child of God, you will never get away from the Lord. You can spend 40 years backsliding, but God will get you in the end. In the end, there will be a stormy wind that fulfills his word and he will trap you in a situation where the issues which you ought to have settled 40 years previously, you will have to settle. So, be good business people. <laughs> settle the issues now. What is the point of throwing away years of valuable time and the Lord have to, having to create some great storm and a fish? I'm not saying that you will be on the sea or that some great physical fish will swallow you. Many a child of God has ended up in a, a fish, not an actual fish, but they've ended up in something wet, dark and clammy. <laughs> Out of which, out of which there is no escape. Do you think you can escape from the Lord? Once God has set his love upon his own, he never, never, never lets them go. Israel after the flesh is but a little picture of this tremendous truth. 
that when God really purposes something, generation after generation after generation can go by, but the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In the end, God corners people. And it's always the same. It's a stormy wind fulfilling his word. Something comes hurled by God upon that person, upon those people, until they're trapped. And then all the seemingly permanent things of their life collapse, are blown away in the storm, and they're left just what they are, naked. And they are left with the very issues that they would not face at the beginning. The Lord said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, no. Actually, it's interesting, Jonah was far too clever to say no. He just said no in practice, like many of us. We just don't hear the Lord. We know very well what the Lord is saying, but we don't hear him. We busy ourselves about this and this and that and the other. We go in the opposite direction. We get ourselves into situations where in some strange way psychologically we think that the Lord has forgotten or overlooked. It's all really so funny in a way, isn't it, to see Jonah paying his fare as if he could get away from the Lord. Paying his fare and he, now I've done it. <laughs> now I've done it. Done with that whole Nineveh business. I'm off to Spain. <laughs> but there was a divine chuckle in heaven because God said you'll never see Spain my boy you'll see the inside of a fish and when you're inside that fish because of the stormy wind fulfilling my word you will turn to me and cry to me and then I will get you to Nineveh. And even when I get you to Nineveh, the issue won't really be settled. Now I've got you outwardly to do my will, but not inwardly. But in the end, the fact that the book of Jonah could be written meant that Jonah learnt his great lesson. I wonder how many storms there are in people's lives here, and it's no good you sort of saying, ah, this is one of those things sent upon the righteous. Here I am suffering for the Lord in my office. Here I am suffering for the Lord in my family. When, dear child of God, the storm that's come upon you may well be because of your sin and your disobedience. You have disobeyed the Lord. There is an issue in your life which you've not settled. And because you've not settled it, God has had to hurl a great wind upon your life and create a great tempest and a fish out of which you cannot escape. We human beings are the most incredibly obstinate creatures. People seem to think that if people die and go to hell, that somehow or other they'll, they'll do anything they can to get out of it. Not so. Pride is such an terrible thing, so horrifying in its strength, and power that some people would prefer to stay in hell than yield to God. Jonah was such an obstinate man, but he was saved. And in, if I may say so, 
it was because he was, it was his being saved that was his undoing. If you are saved, you're undone. Don't you think you can outwit the Lord? It may take the Lord 40 years, but on your deathbed, you'll have the storm. In the end, God will get you where he wants you because he loves you. Now, that's one great storm. I thought of another storm, of course, in uh, um, Mark and uh, chapter 4. is the storm that we read about, uh, sang about, just a few moments ago. You will know, you will remember the story of how the Lord was asleep on a cushion in the stern of the boat. And there arose a great storm, and the waves started coming over the boat, and the poor old... Twelve um, disciples bailed out and bailed out and bailed out and bailed out, but um, the water was coming in a little faster than they were bailing out until finally Peter went and shook the Lord and uh, 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 shook him out of his sleep and said to him, Lord, can't you care at all? Don't you worry about us? We're drowning. And uh, the Lord got up and said, Shh. And the whole thing was peace. It is a most wonderful thing when the Lord steps into our lives and stills a storm. I wonder how many of us here have had such an experience of when we've been in a colossal storm and, and the Lord has been immune and silent. Somehow or other, it's as if heaven says not one single word about our situation and we begin to get neurotic. To start with, we screw up all the Christian character we've got. We bail out as fast as we can. And we get everyone else to help bailing out. You know, we feel that we've got to do it. I mean, we've got to be good Christians and put a stern, good sort of cleft chin into the face of the wind. And so that's what we do. But we find that after a while, the storm gets the better of us. We begin to get worn out. We don't know where to turn. And finally, we do the only thing we can do. We finally get hold of the Lord in importunate prayer and we shake him into waking. As if the Lord didn't know all about this storm. It is my deepest, deep suspicion that our Lord deliberately went to sleep. I have for a long time thought that our Lord wanted them to lose the boat so that he could teach them to walk on the water. <laughs> but, uh, later on he does precisely that, only this time he makes sure he's not in the boat. Uh, the fact of the matter is our Lord raised Lazarus from the dead and the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He could have raised all twelve of these from the bottom of the Lake of Galilee and they would have had the most marvelous experience to tell everyone about. <laughs> But in all of our lives, we have to be realistic. There come storms of such intensity and fear into our hearts of such depth that the only thing the Lord can do is to stop the storm. And we come out of it with one great lesson, the power of God. We have not learnt the deepest lesson. That there must be many of you who've had storms stilled in your lives. You look back, those of you who are older and those of you who are younger, you must have had sometimes storms in your life where you've finally got quite neurotic and uh, spiritually and really taken hold of the Lord as if, 
unless you do something, Lord, I'm finished, I'm finished. And the Lord steps in immediately and says, it's done. And it all subsides. And we think that is the most wonderful thing in the world. And it is. That the Lord could step into a situation like that and with a word, the whole thing has changed. There is another storm. I think this is the kind of storm that most of us, this is the way we expect the Lord to deal with storms in our lives. We expect him to step in. This isn't due to sin. This isn't due to disobedience. And after all, these poor disciples, they were on the master's business. They wouldn't have been in the storm but for him. They may well have thought, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. He's destroying the ministry that God has given us. This is the end of everything. Most of us expect the Lord to deal with storms in our lives this way. Deal with them. Finish them. Thank God when he does. It is a wonderful experience. Now there's another storm uh, in Acts chapter 27. Far too long a story to read and it's very difficult to take even one verse out of it. But I think most of you know this storm. This was the storm that hit the Apostle Paul and 276 other souls that were in that boat. You remember, on their way to Italy. And I found this a very interesting storm. Here is another stormy wind fulfilling God's word. Because this time the Lord did not stop the storm. You know it would have been a wonderful testimony surely if at the word of the Apostle Paul the whole storm could have been calmed and stilled. And uh, think of the effect upon those unsaved men. Think of the effect upon the centurion and his soldiers who were guarding the prisoners being taken to Rome. It would have been tremendous. But here we learn another great lesson. There are times when storms come to this world and the believer is not exempted. What comes upon the unjust comes just the same upon the just. <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is that God does not exempt the believer, even the most faithful believer, from some of the storms, many of the storms, that come into human life. But what I find in this storm is that the Apostle Paul goes right the way through it with the rest and is the most wonderful witness. He loses everything just as the others lose it. He is shipwrecked just like the others are shipwrecked. He gets to the shore just like the others get to the shore. But he comes through with a testimony. I wonder how many found the Lord as a result of this experience. It says later on in one of his letters, he says even some of the Praetorian Guard have turned to the Lord. Maybe some, it began with some of the soldiers here on their way and they told the Praetorian God, it won't, we don't know how it all began. But of one thing we can be sure. Here was a man who was not exempted at all 
from that which came upon the unsaved. But he knew the mind of God, and he was, as it were, the spokesman of God. Now, there are many situations into which we all come, which are just the same as the world suffers, but you know, we can be witnesses unto the Lord Jesus. We can be those who have a word in season and out of season for those who do not know the Lord because we are not sort of going through it all impervious. We are suffering just the same way as everybody else. But we have got something the others have not got. We are in touch with the throne. We have a salvation. We have a union with God in Christ. We have the blessed, gracious ministry of the Holy Spirit. Don't always think that God will exempt you from storms. There are times when we must go through them because God is going to use our witness. Habakkuk knew something about this. He had heard the word of the Lord which came partly through him that a terrible judgment was coming upon the whole land. There would be nothing, in, no herd in the stall. There would be no oil from the olive tree. There would be no wine from the vineyards. There would be no wheat from the fields. But he says, yet will I praise the Lord. Because in spite of the fact that this was going to come upon the whole nation, Habakkuk, who was so faithful, was not exempted. And therefore he purposed in his heart that he would praise the Lord, though there be nothing in the stall, and nothing in the wine vat, and not, no oil. Yet he would praise the Lord, for God would give him hinds feet. Feet that enable you to live in difficult places, well, there's another storm. And then there is another storm. We find it in Matthew uh, 14. Matthew 14. And from verse 22. Now, the way Matthew puts it and Mark puts it, it doesn't sound as if it was too bad. It says, but the boat, verse 24, was now in the midst of the sea, distressed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. But John tells us, I think it's in John 6, he tells us that there, a very strong wind blew suddenly upon the lake and a tempest began to arise. The fact was, here was another stormy wind fulfilling God's word. This time the Lord Jesus was not in the boat. This time he made sure that they couldn't sort of panic him, as it were, by their panic. Uh, make it a necessity to stop the storm. He walked by, and it says in one of the versions, as if he would go beyond the ship. And they all thought it was a spirit, until Peter said, I think it's the Lord, and said, Master, is it you? And the Lord Jesus said, it's me. And then he said, well, then tell me to come to you. And the Lord was delighted. He said, straight away, come. That's exactly what he was trying to teach people. Now, get this lesson. The storm did not stop. The wind did not stop blowing. The waves didn't suddenly become a placid, mirror-like surface. The storm was still rising in all its intensity. But Peter said to the master, tell me to come to you. And the master said, come. And Peter got over in that storm-tossed sea and he started to walk. 
I think some of us have got a picture that somehow out of the moment the Lord said come, the sea just went like glass. I always used to have that picture, you know, the boat becalmed and Peter stepping onto a glassy-like surface and walking across. And then all of a sudden he began to go, no, but that's not what the, the scriptures say. It says that there was a real storm blowing. And indeed, he heard the wind, it says, and saw the waves and began to sink. What was the Lord trying to teach his own through this? He was trying to teach them to walk in the storm. In other words, there is the greatest lesson of all. A storm cannot harm a believer when that one can walk on it. It's no more it can do to you. To walk on a beautiful, placid, mirror-like sea would be a miracle but not nearly as great a miracle as walking on a storm-tossed, tempest-tossed sea. That really is a miracle. To be able to walk on that kind of sea with the spray and all the wind howling and know that the waves and the wind can do nothing because of your union with Christ. God gets more value out of saints who know how to walk in storms. than in anything else. Oh, we all want storms to stop. It's a lovely thing when there's been one of these days of tempest and suddenly it's all over and you hear the birds twittering again and you see the blue sky and everything is, is so good to be alive. But we all want that kind of thing. Somehow or other we feel that's what the Lord ought to be doing for us. Every time there's a suggestion of a storm, shush, don't disturb my dear little child. No storms here. But we would learn so little. Sometimes we go through storms like the Apostle Paul in order that others may find the Lord and hear the word of God and see God in us. Sometimes we go through storms that very few know about but which God is seeking to teach us to walk upon the waves in such a way that they can do us no harm stormy winds fulfilling his word I don't know what kind of storm you're in today you'll have to sort that one out and if you are not in a storm, praise God with all your heart. I don't know how long your blessed condition will last. <laughs> but, while, but while you are by green, in green pastures and beside still waters, and there are such times, praise the Lord. And, and don't look round for a storm. It's a very strange thing that some of us get a kind of, as soon as you speak a word like this, we get a kind of storm consciousness, a kind of suffering consciousness. Something wrong with me, I'm not in a storm. There are green pastures, there are still waters. There are times when the Lord gives us the most blessed relief. Don't think that you've just got to live from storm to storm. But I am quite sure in a company of the Lord's people like this, 
there are all kinds of storms represented in this room. And it is for you to know by the Spirit of God the storm that you are in. And may the Lord help you to understand that those stormy winds are fulfilling his word. He's doing something. You will come out of this with at least something. May God give us all grace and help. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we bow in thy presence and we thank thee together that thou dost indeed fulfill thy word through stormy winds. We remember how, uh, Lord, uh, that one of old said in the Song of Solomon, Awake, O north wind, and come thou south, and blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Lord, thou knowest the condition of every life, in this room of every family. Thou knowest the condition of this company of thy people. O oh Lord, apply thy word to us all, individually and corporately. May we in our hearts, Lord, know that thou art the one who rides upon the storm and who in the most wonderful and sometimes unseen ways is working out his purpose of love and grace. Dear Lord, we commit ourselves to thee that we may be a people not afraid of the storm, but those who learn by thee to walk upon it. For we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. May you meet the Lord in the midst of your storm. May you have still waters soon. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.